I have certain rules I live by. My first rule, I don't believe anything the government tells me. Nothing. Zero. And I gotta tell you folks, I don't get all choked up about yellow ribbons and American flags. I consider them, I consider them to be symbols and I leave symbols to the symbol-minded. Gentlemen, it's time for George. What time is it? What time is it? What do people bother you with that? People bug you all the time, come up to you asking you, what time is it? What time is it? Bothers me, man. What time is it? As though I personally am responsible for keeping time. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? I got one of these, but I don't know. Nobody knows what time it is. What time is it? All the calendars are different. Chinese. Hebrew, Western, nobody knows when it is. Might be the middle of last week for all we know. When are we? We know where we are, but when are we? I don't know, can't keep track, time moves too fast. Give you an example. There's a moment coming. It's not here yet. It's still in the future. It's on the way. Here it comes. Here it is. Oh. It's gone. There's no present. People say, what time is it? Well, do you mean now or when you ask me? <laughs> There's no present. Everything is the near future or the recent past. No, welcome to the present. Welcome once again to the present. And now the all new. No wonder we can't get anything done. There's no time, man. Every time I sit down to work, the time changes on me, man. I call this piece... Advertising. Quality, value, style, service, selection, convenience, economy, savings, performance, experience, hospitality, low rates, friendly service, name brands, easy terms, affordable prices, money back guarantee, free installation. Free admission, free appraisal, free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trial, and free parking. No cash, no problem. No kidding, no fuss, no must, no risk, no obligation, no red tape, no hidden charges, no down payment, no entry fee, no purchase necessary, no one will call on you, no payments or interest till December, and no parking. <laughs> Limited time only though, so act now, order today, send no money, offer good while supplies last, two to a customer, each item sold separately, batteries not included, mileage may vary. All sales are final, allow six weeks for delivery, some items not available, some assembly required, some restrictions may apply. Shop by mail, order by phone, try it in your home, get one for your car. All entries become our property, employees not eligible, entry fees not refundable, local restrictions apply, void where prohibited, except in Indiana. So come on in. Come on in for a free demonstration and a free consultation with our friendly professional staff. Our courteous and knowledgeable sales representatives will help you make a selection that's just right for you and just right for your budget. And say, don't forget to pick up your free gift. A classic, deluxe, custom, designer, luxury, prestige, high-quality, premium, select, gourmet pocket flashlight. And... 
And if you act now, we'll include an extra added free complimentary bonus gift, a classic deluxe custom designer luxury prestige high quality premium select gourmet leather style wallet with detachable keychain and a pencil holder. It's our way of saying thank you. And if you're not completely satisfied, you pay nothing. Simply return the unused portion for a full refund. No questions asked. It's our way of saying thank you. Keep your free gift. Actually, it's our way of saying bend over just a little further and let us stick this big dick into your ass a little bit deeper. People are fucking dumb. You can say what you want about this country, and I love this place. I love the freedoms we used to have. I love it. I love that. You know? I love it when it didn't take a fucking catastrophe to get us to care for one another. I love the fact that we're on camera all the time from all angles. But you know what? You can say what you want about America. And I say I love this place. I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't live in any other time in history in any other place. But say what you want about America. Land of the free, home of the brave. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. Dumbass motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah. Now, obviously, that doesn't include this audience. I understand that. You seem intelligent and perceptive, but the rest of them, holy jumping fucking shitballs. Dumber than a second coat of paint. And this ain't just ranting and raving. This ain't just blowing off steam. I got a little evidence to support my claim. It just seems to me, seems to me, that only a really low IQ population could have taken this beautiful continent this magnificent American landscape that we inherited, well, actually, we stole it from the Mexicans and the Indians, but hey, it was nice when we stole it. It looked pretty good. It was pristine. Paradise. Have you seen it lately? Have you taken a good look at it lately? It's fucking embarrassing. Only a nation of unenlightened halfwits could have taken this beautiful place and turned it into what it is today a shopping mall. A big fucking shopping mall. You know that? That's all you got. That's all you've got here, folks. Mile after mile of mall after mall. Many, many malls. Major malls and mini malls. They put the mini malls in between the major malls. And in between the mini malls, they put the mini marts. And in between the mini marts, you got the car lots, gas stations, muffler shops, laundromats, cheap hotels, fast food joints, strip clubs, and dirty bookstores. America the Beautiful, one big transcontinental commercial cesspool. And how do the people feel about all this? How do the people feel about living in a coast-to-coast -coast shopping mall? Well, they think it's just fucking dandy they think it is cool as can be because Americans love the mall they love the mall that's where they get to satisfy their two most prominent addictions at the same time shopping and eating millions of semi-conscious Americans day after day shuffling through the malls shopping and eating especially eating Americans love to eat they are they are fatally attracted to the slow death of fast food Hot dogs, corn dogs, triple bacon, cheeseburgers, deep fried butter, dipping in pork fat and cheese whiz, mayonnaise, soaked barbecue, mozzarella, patty melts. Americans will eat anything, anything, anything. If you were selling sautéed raccoons assholes on a stick, <laughs> Americans would buy them and eat them. These people, these people are efficient, professional, compulsive consumers. 
That's their, and they think of that as, their, as the, the, their national pride. It's their civic duty, consumption. It's the new national pastime. Fuck baseball. It's consumption. The only true, lasting American value that's left, buying things. Buying things. People spending money they don't have on things they don't need. Money they don't have on things they don't need. So they can max out their credit cards and spend the rest of their lives paying 18% interest on something that costs $12.50. And they didn't like it when they got it home anyway. Not too bright, folks. Not too fucking bright. <laughs> well, I think things ought to be named for what they are. I think there ought to be a little more truth in names. You know, they've tried to clean up, clean up advertising claims. Let them clean up some of the names like Excello and Acme and Ace and Top. Bullshit. <laughs> like things to be called what they are. I like to bring out a new car. The 1977 piece of shit. <laughs> A division of United Consumer Fuckers. Well, you know, whenever you're exposed to advertising in this country, you realize all over again that America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. High-quality bullshit. World-class designer bullshit, to be sure. Hospital-tested, clinically proven bullshit. But bullshit nonetheless. And it always amuses me that so many people seem to think that bullshit only comes from certain sources. You know, advertising, politicians, salesmen. Not true. Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Parents are full of shit. Teachers are full of shit. Clergymen are full of shit. Law enforcement people are full of shit. The entire country is completely full of shit. In fact, this country was founded by a group of slave owners who told us that all men are created equal. That is what's known as being stunningly, stunningly full of shit. And you know, I think... Uh, and I think people show their ignorance when they say they want politicians to be honest. What are these people talking about? If honesty were suddenly introduced into politics, it would throw everything off. The whole system would collapse. And I think deep down the American people know that. The American people like their bullshit out front, where they can get a good strong whiff of it. That's why they re-elected Clinton. Listen. Clinton might be full of shit, but he lets you know it. Dole tried to hide it. I'm an honest man. Bullshit. Bullshit. People don't believe that shit. Clinton said, hi, I'm full of shit, and how do you like that? And the people said, at least he's honest. At least he's honest about being full of shit. It's like the business world. All businessmen are completely full of shit. Just the worst kind of people you could ever want to run into. Businessmen. And the proof of it is, they don't even trust each other. They don't trust each other. When a businessman is negotiating a deal, the first thing he does is to automatically assume that the other guy is a complete lying prick who's trying to fuck him on the deal. So he has to do everything he can to fuck the other guy a little bit harder and a little bit faster. And then, when it comes to dealing with customers, that's when you get the big smile. That's when you get the big smile. 
Businessman always has that big smile on his face as he carefully positions himself directly behind the customer and unzips his pants and services the account. We specialize in customer service. You heard that? Now you know what it means. Whoever coined the phrase, let the buyer beware, was probably bleeding from the asshole. Advertising sells you things you don't need and can't afford that are overpriced and don't work. And they do it by exploiting your fears and insecurities. And if you don't have any, they'll be glad to give you a few by showing you a nice picture of a woman with big tits. That's the essence of advertising. Big tits. Threateningly big tits. And speaking of big tits, what about show business? Show business, completely dishonest, corrupt, and full of shit, but in a nice way. Plenty of expensive drugs and perverted sex. If you're going to be full of shit, might as well enjoy your work. <laughs> then you have the media. Not just the news media, let's include them all. The media are almost literally exploding with bullshit. Because they're located right at the crossroads of all the other bullshit. The media are made up of equal parts, advertising, politics, business, public relations and show business. These people are sitting right at bullshit junction. There's enough bullshit in the media for Texas to open a branch office. And you still have enough left over to start two law firms and a Christian bookstore. Because... Because, folks, I gotta tell you, when it comes to bullshit, truly major league bullshit, you have to stand back in awe, in awe of the all-time heavyweight champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. Organized religion. It's no contest. Religion easily, easily has the best bullshit story of all time. Think about it. Religion has convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day and the invisible man has a list of ten specific things he doesn't want you to do and if you do any of these things he will send you to a special place of burning and fire and smoke and torture and anguish for you to live forever and suffer and burn and scream until the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all powerful, all present, all knowing and all wise just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions and billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and somehow they always need money. You talk about a good bullshit story. 
if I may be permitted a small pun, holy shit. Holy shit. Okay. It's been a little while. It's been a little while since I've been here, and a couple of things have happened in that time. I'd like to talk a little bit about the war in the Persian Gulf. Big doings in the Persian Gulf. You know my favorite part of that war? It's the first war we ever had that was on every channel plus cable. And the war got good ratings, too, didn't it? Got good ratings. Well, we like war. We like war. We're a warlike people. We like war because we're good at it. And you know why we're good at it? Because we get a lot of practice. This country's only 200 years old, and already we've had 10 major wars. We average a major war every 20 years in this country, so we're good at it. And it's a good thing we are. We're not very good at anything else anymore. Huh? Can't build a decent car, can't make a TV set or a VCR worth the fuck. Got no steel industry left, can't educate our young people, can't get health care to our old people, but we can bomb the shit out of your country, all right? Huh? We can bomb the shit out of your country, all right? Especially if your country is full of brown people. Oh, we like that, don't we? That's our hobby. That's our new job in the world, bombing brown people. Iraq, Panama, Grenada, Libya, you got some brown people in your country, tell them to watch the fuck out, or we'll goddamn bomb them. Well, when's the last white people you can remember that we bombed? Can you remember the last white, can you remember any white people we've ever bombed? The Germans, those are the only ones, and that's only because they were trying to cut in on our action. They wanted to dominate the world. Bullshit, that's our fucking job. Now we only bomb brown people. Not because they're trying to cut in on our action, just because they're brown. Now you probably noticed I don't feel about that war the way we were told we were supposed to feel about that war, the way we were ordered and instructed by the United States government to feel about that war. You see, I tell you, my mind doesn't work that way. I got this real moron thing I do, it's called thinking. And I'm not a very good American because I like to form my own opinions. I don't just roll over when I'm told to. Sad to say, most Americans just roll over on command. Not me. I have certain rules I live by. My first rule, I don't believe anything the government tells me. Nothing. Zero. Nope. And I don't take very seriously the media or the press in this country, who in the case of the Persian Gulf War were nothing more than unpaid employees of the Department of Defense, and who most of the time, most of the time, function as kind of an unofficial public relations agency for the United States government. So I don't listen to them, I don't really believe in my country, and I gotta tell you folks, I don't get all choked up about yellow ribbons and American flags. I consider them... I consider them to be symbols, and I leave symbols to the symbol-minded. <laughs> me? I look at war a little bit differently. To me, war is a lot of prick-waving, okay? Simple thing, that's all it is. War is a whole lot of men standing out in the field waving their pricks at one another. 
Men are insecure about the size of their dicks, and so they have to kill one another over the idea. That's what all that asshole jock bullshit is all about. That's what all that adolescent macho male posturing and strutting in bars and locker rooms is all about. It's called dick fear. <laughs> Men are terrified that their pricks are inadequate, and so they have to compete with one another to feel better about themselves. And since war is the ultimate competition, basically men are killing each other in order to improve their self-esteem. You don't have to be a historian or a political scientist to see the bigger dick foreign policy theory at work. It sounds like this. What? They have bigger dicks? Bomb them! And of course, the bombs and the rockets and the bullets are all shaped like dicks. It's a subconscious need to project the penis into other people's affairs. It's called fucking with people! Well, you know, if I had to say to you what is the answer, I would say massive bloodshed. I really would. I don't really, honestly, deep down believe in political action. I think the system contracts and expands as it wants to. It accommodates these changes. I think the civil rights movement was an accommodation on the part of the those who own the country. I think they see where their self-interest lies. They see a certain amount of freedom seems good, an illusion of liberty. Give these people, give these people a voting day every year so that they'll have the illusion of meaningless choice. Meaningless choice that we go like slaves and say, oh, I voted. The, the limits of debate in this country are, are, are are established before the debate even begins and everyone else is marginalized they're made to seem either to be communists or some sort of disloyal person a kook there's a word and now it's conspiracy see they've made that something that that is that is uh, sh should not be even entertained for a minute that powerful people might get together and have a plan doesn't happen you're a kook you're a conspiracy buff so who you know the only way you cure that death, bloodshed. I don't advocate it, but I see that it's really the only answer. Now, to balance the scale, I'd like to talk about some things that bring us together. Things that point out our similarities instead of our differences. Because that's all you ever hear about in this country, is our differences. That's all the media and the politicians are ever talking about, the things that separate us, things that make us different from one another. That's the way the ruling class operates in any society. They try to divide the rest of the people. They keep the lower and the middle classes fighting with each other so that they, the rich, can run off with all the fucking money. <laughs> Fairly simple thing happens to work. You know anything different, that's what they're going to talk about. Race, religion, ethnic and national background, jobs, income, education, social status, sexuality, anything they can do, keep us fighting with each other so that they can keep going to the bank. You know how I describe the economic and social classes in this country? The upper class keeps all of the money, pays none of the taxes. The middle class pays all of the taxes, does all of the work. The poor are there just to scare the shit out of the middle class. <laughs> Keep them showing up at those jobs. Rights. Boy, everyone in this country is always running around yammering about their fucking rights. I have a right. You have no right. We have a right. They don't have a right. Folks, I hate to spoil your fun, but there's no such thing as rights, okay? They're imaginary. We made them up, like the boogeyman. <laughs> the three little pigs, Pinocchio, Mother Goose, shit like that. Rights are an idea. They're just imaginary. They're a cute idea. Cute. But that's all cute and fictional. But if you think you do have rights, let me ask you this. Where do they come from? 
People say, well, they come from God. They're God-given rights. Oh, fuck, here we go again. Here we go again. The God excuse. The last refuge of a man with no answers and no argument, it came from God. Anything we can't describe must have come from God. Personally, folks, I believe that if your rights came from God, he would have given you the right to some food every day, and he would have given you the right to a roof over your head. God would have been looking out for you. God would have been looking out for you. You know that? He wouldn't have been worried about making sure you have a gun so you get drunk on Sunday night and kill your girlfriend's parents. <laughs> but let's say it's true. Let's say God gave us these rights. Why would he give us a certain number of rights? The Bill of Rights in this country has ten stipulations, okay? Ten rights. And apparently God was doing sloppy work that week because we've had to amend the Bill of Rights an additional 17 times. So God forgot a couple of things like slavery. Just fucking slipped his mind. But let's say, let's say God gave us the original ten. He gave the British 13. The British Bill of Rights has 13 stipulations. The Germans have 29. The Belgians have 25. The Swedish have only six. And some people in the world have no rights at all. What kind of a fucking goddamn God-given deal is that? No rights at all? Why would God give different people in different countries different numbers of different rights? Boredom? Amusement? Bad arithmetic? Do we find out at long last, after all this time, that God is weak in math skills? Doesn't sound like divine planning to me. Sounds more like human planning. Sounds more like one group trying to control another group. In other words, business as usual in America. Now, if you think you do have rights, one last assignment for you. Next time you're at the computer, get on the internet, go to Wikipedia. When you get to Wikipedia, in the search field for Wikipedia, I want you to type in Japanese Americans 1942, and you'll find out all about your precious fucking rights, okay? All right. You know about it. You know about it. Yeah. In 1942, there were 110,000 Japanese-American citizens and good-standing, law-abiding people who were thrown into internment camps simply because their parents were born in the wrong country. That's all they did wrong. They had no right to a lawyer, no right to a fair trial, no right to a jury of their peers, no right to due process of any kind. The only right they had, right this way, into the internment camps. Just when these American citizens needed their rights the most, their government took them away. And rights aren't rights if someone can take them away. They're privileges. That's all we've ever had in this country is a bill of temporary privileges. And if you read the news even badly, you know that every year the list gets shorter and shorter and shorter. You see how soon Yeah. Sooner or later, the people in this country are going to realize the government does not give a fuck about them. Government doesn't care about you or your children or your rights or your welfare or your safety. It simply doesn't give a fuck about you. It's interested in its own power. That's the only thing. Keeping it and expanding it wherever possible. The interesting thing about this country is if, if they, we, they, they talk about how we have freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. You know, we have freedom of choice. Yeah. Uh, very limited. It's an important thing, limited choice. Uh, two political parties, essentially, two. Uh, big media companies, five, mm -hmm. six. Max. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, oil companies down to three now, I think, uh-huh. overall, three or four. Uh, banks, the big banks, the big brokerage houses, the big accounting firms, all the things that are important reduced in choice. Uh-huh. Newspapers in a city, how many? Used to be three, four, now it's one or two that are owned by the same people, and they also own a radio station right. and a TV station. <laughs> but jelly beans, 32 yeah. flavors. Yeah. Ice cream, all the things that don't matter. The, the unimportant things, a lot of choices. Yeah. I mean, you know what I say? You, you, cho- you know what your freedom of choice is in America? Paper or plastic. Yeah. That's it, man. It comes down to paper or plastic, <laughs> cash or charge, aisle or window, smoking or non-smoking, yeah. Coke or Pepsi. These are your choices. <laughs> Everything else is kind of laid out for you. You get to do what they really want. They do what they want. The yeah. ones who own this country, they do what they want. Speaking of our choices being usurped or, or, or taken away from us, mm-hmm. what do you make of what, and, and I'm, I'm fascinated to ask you this because all the things that you've been talking about for years. Mm-hmm. Are, I mean, we, we've come full circle on this stuff. And that's why I was so fascinated, and thank you for coming on the program. Sure. But here we are now, you know, 30 years after you were talking about mm-hmm. it, with this huge debate, this huge fight about whether or not our civil liberties are being taken away from yeah. us. What, what's, what, what are your thoughts on... Well, I think if you looked at, at the record of um, laws which have been passed in the last 30 to 40 years, there's a thing called social hysteria. Mm-hmm. Social hysteria is whipped up generally by the media. Uh, crime. In Nixon's time, crime was the big social hysteria issue. Well, there's too much crime. There's, we're, we're, they're coddling the courts, are coddling the criminals. We have to tougher laws. So a lot of civil liberties went away in terms of um, the rights of criminals and the rights of the accused and, and the people going on trial. These, these were li- limited. They were cut down. These rights, which are guaranteed by the Constitution in the Bill of Rights. Uh, another social hysteria, drugs. The drug thing happened, same thing. Uh, big, big flow of drugs, we're going to fight the drugs, we need newer, tougher laws, we need draconian sentences, we need to be able to go into houses, we need to be able to do this, and we have reasonable, reason, you know, all of these, all of these shortcuts have, have resulted in less liberties because of social hysteria. The media whips up the frenzy, people get all excited, mm-hmm. the legislature passes it, the president, the executive signs it, and the judges then, the, ju- the uh, judicial branch okays it sometime later when it gets to them. Mm-hmm. And, and what has happened is you have less freedoms, less liberties, less civil liberties, less rights. And the third social hysteria is terrorism. That, that was whipped up. Now, there's, it's a little, probably a little more cause there. You look at the, the 9-11, it's a very dramatic event. Mm-hmm. But that, too, has been used to, with, to, with this Patriot Act to reduce our liberties. They say, well, if you have nothing to hide, what do you worry about? You know that? That old argument? Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Ask, tell me about the people that are, you know, just getting out of prison because of the DNA, if they got no, had nothing to hide. Uh, it's, it's just, listen, th- this country is, is owned by the ownership class. They do pretty much what they want. I figure it's like a freak show. Here's what I do. You know what I do? To me, if you're born in the world, yeah. you get a ticket to the freak show. They get a ticket to the freak show. If you're born in America, you got a front row seat. So some people, some people are in the freak show. Yeah. We got our freaks. Yeah. Then some people, they uh, want to fix the freaks. Yeah. These are the ACLU lawyers, environmentalists. Well, let's fix the freaks. We're going yeah. to fix them up. Oh, isn't that terrible? Let's do this. And then there are folks who just watch the freak show. Yeah. As me. And some of us get to write about it or talk about it. Right. And I do that. That's you too. Yeah. And I say, oh, look at you. I, look how badly you're doing. I don't yeah. even I count myself in. Yeah. I say, look how badly you folks are doing. How did you do this to yourself? Why did you let them do this to you? Now, there's one thing you might have noticed I don't complain about. Politicians. Everybody complains about politicians. Everybody says they suck. Well, where do people think these politicians come from? They don't fall out of the sky. They don't pass through a membrane from another reality. 
They come from American parents and American families, American homes, American schools, American churches, American businesses, and American universities, and they're elected by American citizens. This is the best we can do, folks. This is what we have to offer. It's what our system produces. Garbage in, garbage out. If you have selfish, ignorant citizens, if you have selfish, ignorant citizens, you're going to get selfish, ignorant leaders. And term limits ain't going to be any good. You're just going to wind up with a brand new bunch of selfish, ignorant Americans. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's not the politicians who suck. Maybe something else sucks around here. Like the public. Yeah, the public sucks. There's a nice campaign slogan for somebody. The public sucks. Fuck hope. Fuck hope. Because if it's really just the fault of these politicians, then where are all the other bright people of conscience? Where are all the bright, honest, intelligent Americans ready to step in and save the nation and lead the way? We don't have people like that in this country. Everybody's at the mall, scratching his ass, picking his nose, taking his credit card out of his fanny pack and buying a pair of sneakers with lights in them. So I have solved this little political dilemma for myself in a very simple way. On election day, I stay home. I don't vote. Fuck them. Fuck them. I don't vote. Two reasons. Two reasons I don't vote. First of all, it's meaningless. This country was bought and sold and paid for a long time ago. The shit they shuffle around every four years, <laughs> doesn't mean a fucking thing. And secondly, I don't vote because I believe if you vote, you have no right to complain. People like to twist that around, I know. They say, they say, well, if you don't vote, you have no right to complain. But where's the logic in that? If you vote and you elect dishonest, incompetent people and they get into office and screw everything up, well, you are responsible for what they have done. You caused the problem. You voted them in. You have no right to complain. I, on the other hand, who did not vote, who did not vote, who in fact, did not even leave the house on election day. I'm in no way responsible for what these people have done and have every right to complain as loud as I want about the mess you created that I had nothing to do with. So I know that a little later on this year you're going to have another one of those really swell presidential elections that you like so much. You'll enjoy yourselves. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm sure as soon as the election is over, your country will improve immediately. As for me, I'll be home on that day doing essentially the same thing as you. The only difference is... When I get finished masturbating, I'm going to have a little something to show for it, folks. Yeah, it's all bullshit, folks. It's bad for you. It's all bullshit. That's what you have to remember as you go through life in this country. It's all bullshit, and it's bad for you. Now, speaking of parents and speaking of bullshit, uh, two ideas which aren't always mutually exclusive, by the way. I'd like to mention a special kind of bullshit that has taken hold in this country in the last 30 to 40 years. It's a form of bullshit that really only can be called child worship. It's child worship. It's this excessive devotion to children. I'm talking about today's professional parents, these, these obsessive diaper sniffers. <laughs> who are over-scheduling and over-managing their children and robbing them of their childhoods. Even the simple act of playing. Even the simple act of playing.
has been taken away from children and put on mommy's schedule in the form of play dates. Something that should be spontaneous and free is now being rigidly planned. When does a kid ever get to sit in the yard with a stick anymore? You know, just sit there with a fucking stick. Do today's kids even know what a stick is? You know? But you know something, a kid shouldn't be wasting his time with a stick anyway. If he's four years old, he should be home studying for his kindergarten entrance exams. <laughs> Do you know about that shit? Oh, they have them now. Yeah, yeah. There are places that have kindergarten entrance exams. The poor little fuck. <laughs> the poor little fuck, he can barely locate his dick. <laughs> you know, and, and al already he's being pressured to succeed pressured to succeed for the sake of the parents. Isn't this really just a sophisticated form of child abuse? And speaking of that, speaking of child abuse. Speaking of child abuse, next up, grade school. Grade school, where he won't be allowed to play tag because it encourages victimization. And he won't be allowed to play dodgeball because it's exclusionary. And it promotes aggression. Standing around is still okay. Standing around is still permitted, but it won't be for long, because sooner or later some kid is going to be standing around, and his foot will fall asleep, and his parents will sue the school, and it'll be goodbye fucking standing around. Yeah. My last question, uh, George, is that it, it seems to me you're kind of an icon for someone who can see the um, bad things going on, and but not let it sort of harden your heart, not let it get into you and screw up your either mental state or your emotional state. How, do you have any advice for people on how you can still stay engaged in the world and not just go insane with anger and resentment? Become a spectator, that's what I am. Um, I have found that over the last 20 to 30 years, somewhere in that span between 20 and 30 years ago, I began to pull away from having a stake in any of this. I don't really have an emotional stake in the outcome anymore in terms of my caring. I don't really give a fuck when you get right down to it. I don't care what happens to my, uh, my species because I think this species has squandered great gifts, namely uh, and especially the gift of this mind we have, the brain, uh, brain slash mind, which is able to uh, distinguish between subject and object as a starter and able to do a lot of abstract things that, uh, that should have led us better places and the opposable thumb and walking erect and that whole package, we should certainly have done better than to embrace superstitious religious belief that rules us and leads us and the pursuit of goods and, and profit and territory and power. That's what we turned into. Um, and I think the same is true of this culture. I have also found myself pulling away from this culture and not caring about the outcome because... I, I think the same thing is true. This culture, the country, the American country was given great gifts. It, it developed great gifts on its own at the beginning, 
and I think we squandered these these ideals, these noble purposes and ideals that we began with, and we went off the track um, because of the prosperity, primarily. We were always infected with the religious thing. That was always there underneath everything. But, but the prosperity led to greed and possessiveness and wanting to own things and have them for their own sake. And now uh, the American people politically have been bought off, have been completely silenced and bought off by gizmos and toys. And that's a line from the current show. And um, it's, it's just a shame. So, so I pulled away emotionally and I said, you know what, fuck them. Let them do what they want to do. I'm going to enjoy this shit as a spectator. And I look at it as a show. It's a big circus. It's a big, it's a big parade, whatever, you, whatever um, metaphor you want to use. I think of it as the freak show. I, I like to say this. When you're born in this world, you're given a ticket to the freak show. When you're born in America, you're given a front row seat. And man, I'm sitting there and I have my notebook out and I'm enjoying the show and I wish I could live a thousand years to watch this all develop. The rise of Russia, the rise of China, the Muslimization of, um, of, of Europe, the decline of the white race. It's going to be an amazing story as it develops. And, and I just wish I could see it all. I'm 70 now. I'll probably live to between 90 and 100, I think. And uh, I'll get to see some of it. But... Um, but it is an interesting, exciting thing to watch if you can detach yourself emotionally. And that's the end of that. That's the best way to uh, swallow all that stuff and believe it and still walk down the street right. singing a happy... That's right. Happy There's no anger in it, see? There's no anger, there's no emotional stake. But it didn't happen. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons is because we were using that soft language, that language that takes the life out of life. And it is a function of time. It does keep getting worse. I'll give you another example. Sometime during my life, sometime during my life, toilet paper became bathroom tissue. I wasn't notified of this. No one asked me if I agreed with it. It just happened. Toilet paper became bathroom tissue. Sneakers became running shoes. False teeth became dental appliances. Medicine became medication. Information became directory assistance. The dump became the landfill. Car crashes became automobile accidents. Partly cloudy became partly sunny. Motels became motor lodges. House trailers became mobile homes. Used cars became previously owned transportation. <laughs> room service became guest room dining. And constipation became occasional irregularity. <laughs> when I was a little kid, if I got sick, they wanted me to go to the hospital and see the doctor. Now they want me to go to a health maintenance organization or a wellness center to consult a health care delivery professional. Poor people used to live in slums. Now the economically disadvantaged occupy substandard housing in the inner cities. <laughs> and they're broke. They're broke. They don't have a negative cash flow position. They're fucking broke. Because a lot of them were fired. You know, fired, management wanted to curtail redundancies in the human resources area. So many people are no longer viable members of the workforce. Smug, greedy, well-fed white people have invented a language to conceal their sins. It's as simple as that. The CIA doesn't kill anybody anymore. They neutralize people. 
or they depopulate the area. The government doesn't lie, it engages in disinformation. The Pentagon actually measures nuclear radiation in something they call sunshine units. Israeli murderers are called commandos. Arab commandos are called terrorists. Contra killers are called freedom fighters. Well, if crime fighters fight crime and firefighters fight fire, what do freedom fighters fight? They never mention that part of it to us, do they? Never mention that part of it. And some of this stuff is just silly, we know, we all know that. Like on the airlines, they say they want to pre-board. Well, what the hell is pre-board? What does that mean? To get on before you get on? <laughs> they say they're going to pre-board those passengers in need of special assistance. Cripples! <laughs> Simple, honest, direct language. There's no shame attached to the word cripple that I can find in any dictionary. No shame attached to it. In fact, it's a word used in Bible translations. Jesus healed the cripples. Doesn't take seven words to describe that condition. But we don't have any cripples in this country anymore. We have the physically challenged. Is that a grotesque enough evasion for you? How about differently abled? I've heard them call that differently abled. You can't even call these people handicapped anymore. They'll say, we're not handicapped, we're handicapable. <laughs> these poor people have been bullshitted by the system into believing that if you change the name of the condition, somehow you'll change the condition. Well, hey, cuz, <laughs> doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. We have no more deaf people in this country, hearing impaired. No one's blind anymore, partially sighted or visually impaired. We have no more stupid people. Everybody has a learning disorder. <laughs> or he's minimally exceptional. How would you like to be told that about your child? He's minimally exceptional. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> Psychologists actually have started calling ugly people those with severe appearance deficits. <laughs> It's getting so bad that any day now I expect to hear a rape victim referred to as an unwilling sperm recipient. <laughs> and we have no more old people in this country. No more old people. We shipped them all away and we brought in these senior citizens. Isn't that a typically American 20th century phrase? Bloodless lifeless. No pulse in one of them. A senior citizen. But I've accepted that one. I've come to terms with it. I know it's here to stay. We'll never get rid of it. That's what they're going to be called, so I'll relax on that. But the one I do resist, the one I keep resisting, is when they look at an old guy and they'll say, look at him, Dan. He's 90 years young. <laughs> Imagine the fear of aging that reveals. To not even be able to use the word old to describe someone. To have to use an antonym. And fear of aging is natural, it's universal, isn't it? We all have that. No one wants to get old, no one wants to die, but we do. So we bullshit ourselves. <laughs> I started bullshitting myself when I got to my 40s. As soon as I was in my 40s, I'd look in the mirror and I'd say, well, I, I guess I'm getting older. <laughs> older sounds a little better than old, doesn't it? Sounds like it might even last a little longer. <laughs> bullshit, I'm getting old. 
And it's okay, because thanks to our fear of death in this country, I won't have to die. I'll pass away. <laughs> Or I'll expire like a magazine subscription. If it happens in the hospital, they'll call it a terminal episode. The insurance company will refer to it as negative patient care outcome. And if it's the result of malpractice, they'll say it was a therapeutic misadventure. I'm telling you, some of this language makes me want to vomit. Well, maybe not vomit. Makes me want to engage in an involuntary personal protein spill. You got people like this around you, country's full of them now. People walking around all day long, every minute of the day, worried about everything. Worried about the air, worried about the water, worried about the soil. Worried about insecticides, pesticides, food additives, carcinogens. Worried about radon gas, worried about asbestos. Worried about saving endangered species. Let me tell you about endangered species, all right? Saving endangered species is just one more arrogant attempt by humans to control nature. It's arrogant meddling. It's what got us in trouble in the first place. Doesn't anybody understand that? Interfering with nature. Over 90%, over, way over, 90% of all the species that have ever lived on this planet, ever lived, are gone. They're extinct. We didn't kill them all. They just disappeared. That's what nature does. They disappear these days at the rate of 25 a day. And I mean regardless of our, our behavior. Irrespective of how we act on this planet, 25 species that were here today will be gone tomorrow. Let them go gracefully. Leave nature alone. Haven't we done enough? We're so self-important. So self-important. Everybody's going to save something now. Save the trees, save the bees, save the whales, save those snails. <laughs> and the greatest arrogance of all, save the planet. What? Are these fucking people kidding me? Save the planet? We don't even know how to take care of ourselves yet. We haven't learned how to care for one another. We're going to save the fucking planet? I'm getting tired of that shit. Tired of that shit. Tired. I'm tired of fucking Earth Day. I'm tired of these self-righteous environmentalists, these white bourgeois liberals who think the only thing wrong with this country is there aren't enough bicycle paths. People trying to make the world safe for their Volvos. Besides, environmentalists don't give a shit about the planet. They don't care about the planet. Not in the abstract, they don't. Not in the abstract, they don't. You know what they're interested in? A clean place to live their own habitat. They're worried that someday in the future they might be personally inconvenienced. Narrow, unenlightened self-interest doesn't impress me. Besides, there is nothing wrong with the planet. Nothing wrong with the planet. The planet is fine. The people are fucked. <laughs> Difference. Difference. The planet is fine. Compared to the people, the planet is doing great. It's been here four and a half billion years. Did you ever think about the arithmetic? Planet has been here four and a half billion years. We've been here, what, 100,000? Maybe 200,000? And we've only been engaged in heavy industry for a little over 200 years. 200 years versus four and a half billion. And we have the conceit to think that somehow we're a threat? 
that somehow we're going to put in jeopardy this beautiful little blue-green ball that's just a-floating around the sun. The planet has been through a lot worse than us. Been through all kinds of things worse than us. Been through earthquakes, volcanoes, plate tectonics, continental drift, solar flares, sunspots, magnetic storms, the magnetic reversal of the poles, hundreds of thousands of years of bombardment by comets and asteroids and meteors, worldwide floods, tidal waves, worldwide fires, erosion, cosmic rays, recurring ice ages, and we think some plastic bags and some aluminum cans are going to make a difference? The planet, the planet, the planet isn't going anywhere. We are. We're going away. Pack your shit, folks. We're going away. And we won't leave much of a trace either. Thank God for that. Maybe a little styrofoam. Maybe. Little styrofoam. Planet will be here and we'll be long gone. Just another failed mutation. Just another closed-end biological mistake. An evolutionary cul-de-sac. The planet will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. <laughs> a surface nuisance. <laughs> you want to know how the planet's doing? Ask those people at Pompeii who are frozen into position <laughs> from volcanic ash how the planet's doing. Wonder well, if the planet's all right, ask those people in Mexico City or Armenia or a hundred other places buried under thousands of tons of earthquake rubble if they feel like a threat to the planet this week. <laughs> How about those people in Kilauea, Hawaii, who build their homes right next to an active volcano and then wonder why they have lava in the living room? <laughs> the planet will be here for a long, long, long time after we're gone and it will heal itself it will cleanse itself because that's what it does it's a self-correcting system the air and the water will recover the earth will be renewed and if it's true that plastic is not degradable well the planet will simply incorporate plastic into a new paradigm the earth plus plastic <laughs> the earth doesn't share our prejudice towards plastic plastic came out of the earth the earth probably sees plastic as just another one of its children could be the only reason the Earth allowed us to be spawned from it in the first place. It wanted plastic for itself. <laughs> Didn't know how to make it. Needed us. Could be the answer to our age-old philosophical question, why are we here? Plastic. <laughs> Assholes. So. They don't. That's right, that's they right. get old, but they live to be 150. George Carlin, the great George Carlin, just turned 70. And to celebrate his 50 years in show business, he's just released a DVD collection of all his comedy specials. And it's called George Carlin, All My Stuff. Please welcome comedy legend George Carlin. <laughs> Falsetto anymore. You used to be able to sing some nice high tenor in the hallways. Like that guy, what were you doing? Whoa! He went, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> so, can't get the falsetto. That's all right. So, George, before we talk about how old you're getting, yeah. Yeah, sure. how does it feel to be 70 in the business? Does it feel any different? No, it really doesn't. It doesn't. No, no. You, you know the time has passed, and um, 
you know you're getting better at what you do. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to. Anything you do, you better get better at it. Yeah. Everybody yeah. stop doing it. That's right. And so, uh, you know what George Burns said? He said there are five stages of life. Childhood, adulthood, middle age, old age, and you look great. <laughs> And that's where I'm at now. The people, they, they say, hey, you look great. You yeah. know, you say, okay. Which is so funny. I mean, funny never goes away unless no. you get a dementia or something. No, right. And then it's even funnier. That's, that's right. Intentionally. <laughs> now, the, the thing is, uh, it, it's not just the funny, but the ideas get richer. Yeah. The writing. Uh, I, I, I found out at, some, at one point, I, I used to always, when I was a beginning comic, the first 20 years probably, I, I referred to myself as a comedian who wrote his own material because I was proud of that and a lot of comedians didn't. Comedian wrote his own material. Then one day I sort of realized, after the fact, a few years, that I'd become a writer who performed his own material. And that really made a difference in my mind, in so my how heart. How did that happen? Oh. How did that work? It, it, I just matured into that. I, I had the skills to be a writer all along, apparently, and I was using them effectively but in a little more of a frivolous way at first and later the, the experience gives you experience is very uh, a good thing mm -hmm. because it gives you something richer against which to compare what you're seeing mm -hmm. when you're 20 and you see X Y and Z it bounces off a very thin wall if you're 60 and you see the same thing boy it gets in there and it goes around a little bit and everything and it's a richer output mm -hmm. so that's what I, I, I gained uh, just from getting older you Judge, do you think that you know, you look at comedy now, do you think that you could, if you were starting out today, would there be a place for you? Yeah, someone, I, I had that question recently, slight, slightly different, same idea, and I thought, gee, you know, if I were starting today, if I were 20, I wouldn't even know if I'd be the same person at 20 mm -hmm. th that, uh, that I was then. Not with all of the things that would have happened between, let's say, 5 and 20. The technology, the demands, and the, and the way the parents... My mother would never would have been one of these professional parents. But I would have been a different person. And it would have been harder to start because I, I, I did my career on my own terms. And I don't know how many people get to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. I think there are too many expectations. There are right. too many pathways and rules. And, and, and true rebels don't seem to be around very much. So what would you say to a 20 year old then? What would you say? Uh, I would say do, do what you love, do it well, and if people pat you on the back for it, you got it. The, right. the secret to happiness is finding something you love and doing it well and then being recognized for it. Someone, even if it's one person who says you're doing a great job, or if it's applause, put those three things together. And you know, I, when I First, when, when I first changed the kind of stuff I was doing in the late 60s, I, I had been a suit and tie comic out of the 50s, and I had short hair and all that, and I realized I was doing the wrong thing for the wrong people, and I let myself change into a, a more, a freer, more of a, if you can use the word hippie, look and attitude, and I realized that, um, I said to my wife at that time when I changed, I said, you know, even if I only filled coffee houses three yeah. days a week for the rest of my life, I'd be happy doing that. And when you let go of goals and stuff, I, I mean, the, the attachment to goals, that's when things come to you. You should have a name point, but not a thing like that. Right. You know? Well, I want to ask you, George, because you have, this to celebrate the 50 years in show business, yeah. all of your HBO specials are now in a collection called All My Stuff. Mm -hmm. And I have, as a stand-up comic, I'm, I'm just so excited. I have my favorite routines that you do. What, what, is, what, what are some of the most memorable routines in here? Well, the, the time 
it was a year or two later that I looked back and I had that realization that I'm re I've really become a writer. It was the 1992 show called Jammin' in New York, yeah. which was in Madison Square Garden, the theater there, 6,500 people. It was live. It was the first one they did live on HBO. It was my hometown. The place was full, and it was electric. And I had essays. For the first time, I was doing essays rather than bits. These were developed ideas that had a little bit of a serious overtone to them, but were relieved with laughter and irony all along. And uh, after that started to sink in, I looked back and I thought, well, gee, that was a kind of a pivotal point. So uh, there's a thing in there called <clears throat> the planet is fine. It's, it's in the jam in New York. The planet is fine. The people are because everybody's running around trying to save the planet. Yeah. The planet doesn't need that. The planet will take care of itself. People are selfish, and that's what they're doing, is trying to save the planet for themselves to have a nicer place to live. They don't care about the planet in, in, in theory. They just care about having a comfortable place. And these people with the fires and the floods and everything, they overbuild, they put nature to the test, and they get what's coming to them. That's what I say. Well, that's real harsh. That's what's happening. Yeah, well, and I can't wait for the sea levels to rise. I can't wait for some of these. I can't wait for some of these cities to disappear. I can't swim, George. Yeah. There are places that are going to go away. The map is going to change, and, and that's because the real na and people think nature is outside of them. They don't take into them the idea that we are part of it. They say, oh, we're going for a nature walk. We're going to the country because we like nature. Nature's in here. And if you're in tune with it, like the Indians, the Hopis especially, the balance of life, the balance, the harmony of nature, if you understand that, you don't overbuild. You don't do all this moron stuff. There are too many people. What about the polluters? Let's go after them. The Let's, polluters. Well, the corporations. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's 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 a symphony. Everybody's in the band. You know, yeah. it's not just one. It's not just one group. People are people want their goodies. They want their toys. Everybody wants the newest gizmo. We're 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 slaves to gizmos and toys. <laughs> they got it today. Yeah. They have, yeah. Everybody, everybody wants a cell phone that'll make pancakes, and I think that'll make them happy. And it doesn't That's make what'll happen happy. when we watch this. Well, you know, and, and thank you, George, because I want to let you guys know you are all messed up. We, the planet is fine. We are messed up. Right. Uh, but if you are in New York City Thursday, George will be signing DVDs at the Borders on Wall Street from noon to 2 p.m. You've got to be there, and we're going to be right back with James Lipton. Huh?